everyone, and welcome into the I Want to Know podcast. I'm your host, Greg Jones, and I'm the one leading you on this inquisitive departure into audio wisdom. My guest today on the podcast is J.D. Mitchkey. He's an author of a new book, Modern Day Liberalism, Exploring the Psychological Foundations of the Disorder. Very, uh, very interesting, especially depending on where your politics lie. We'll get to that in just a second. First, thank you guys for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for uh, telling friends about the show. I've heard from some people lately that their friend told them about the show, and so they listened to it, and like, oh, they liked that episode. They went back and listened to a few more. So I really appreciate that. I love the feedback, too. Feel free to get in some feedback. You know I'm on Twitter, at I Want to Know Show, and all that stuff. Facebook, same thing. So please get in that feedback. One other thing I want to mention, as I always do, if you need links to any of these guests, whether it's J.D. Mitchkey, Robert Graves from a couple weeks ago, or anybody else, I want to know show.com. Click on that guests section. They have links to their websites. If they have books, we have links to their books. Whatever you need, the links will be there. Before I get into the interview with JD, I want to mention that we do talk politics. So if you are extremely on one side or the other, uh, you may not agree. And hey, that's okay. I don't agree with everything he says, and he doesn't agree with uh, you know my feelings. I'm quite sure of it. Uh, I don't want to tell you my political beliefs up front. I want to remain as in the middle as possible just for the sake of the interview. So please have an open mind when you listen to it. Feel free to disagree. Feel free to tweet me about it or Facebook, whatever. Nothing wrong with disagreeing. Either way, let me know what you thought of the interview, what you thought of uh, him, what you thought of my questions, whatever. Let me know. Love the feedback. Anyways, on with the interview. Joining me right now is J.D. Mitchkey. He has an extensive educational background in psychological sciences, holds a bachelor's degree in psychology, master's degree in psychological counseling, a bachelor's degree in metaphysical science, uh, trained and certified as a practitioner of hypnosis, and the list goes on and on from there. Our main topic of conversation tonight is his new book, Modern Day Liberalism, Exploring the Psychological Foundations of the Disorder, which is out now on Amazon, and you can pick that up. J.D., welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Greg. It's a pleasure to be here. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. You know, I, I saw the email from you, and I thought, well, we're probably not going to agree on everything, but uh, I still want to hear what you have to say, and I figure it's got to be an interesting topic. Uh, especially now with all the uh, political stuff that's going on, the presidential election right around the corner. So uh, I appreciate you joining the show. You're welcome. I, I think it's, it's timely uh, in a sense. Yeah, absolutely. And this is kind of the topic on uh, everybody's water cooler conversation. So I think it works out well. Good. Yeah, let's just jump right into it. The book, Modern Day Liberalism, Exploring the Psychological Foundations of the Disorder, um, Sum it up for it. Sounds like basically, if you're a liberal, you kind of got your head in the sand. Uh, <laughs> yes. In, in the easiest now, summary of the book. Well, yes. Uh, thanks to the uh, creative crew at uh, WorldNet Daily, they they did a good job of that. Uh, right. Um, my summation is that uh, liberals have their head in the sand, and. Um, if I can just kind of supply a foundation to this this book, Greg, and Please. I won't get into the evolution of it and how it all uh, evolved, but uh, for a long time I wanted to write a book about the primary human emotions. And so I, I hatched this idea a little over a year ago uh, to write this book, and truly the foundation of the book has to do with the primary human emotions. <clears throat> As I say in the back cover copy of the book, it is emotion 
that drives every single human behavior. And when emotions become distorted and repressed, then uh, decisions and outcomes are not good. They can be disadvantageous. And so, yes, indeed, uh, my, my uh, uh, notion is that liberals are driven by emotional behavior. Instead of using their thinking to, uh, to achieve and, and make decisions, they use their emotions. Not a good idea. Mm-hmm. I, I can agree with that on some level, but wouldn't you say that both sides get pretty emotional? Yes, indeed. And, um, and uh, what I point out in the book, I show no mercy on practically anyone, Greg, <laughs> they, <laughs> because the, 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 there is no clear-cut line of demarcation between the liberals and conservatives. Um, I, I don't uh, hold many Republicans in, in high regard, uh, although they claim to be conservative. Not so. Mm-hmm. And so. And so the... The line of demarcation is very fluid, and uh, there are many areas of gray. So, yes, indeed, many many uh, Republicans and so-called conservatives they exhibit extreme liberal behavior. Yeah, one of the examples you use in the book is uh, Jeb Bush and his discussion on on immigration. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and, and you gave him a term. I think you called it a, a rhino. Is that what you called him? Yes. Well, yes, uh, he's a rhino, and I coined the term Sino, conservative in name only. And, oh yeah, Jeb Bush is a rhino. I don't think he's a conservative. Uh, He took a flip-flop stance on immigration, and uh, I had very little confidence in, in Jeb Bush. And, of course, Trump ripped him to shreds in the debates. Right, yeah, well, he did that to a lot of people. Um, you say he's not a conservative, but is he, I mean, of course you can self-identify as whatever you want, but is he a Republican? He, yes, indeed. He, uh, he is a Republican. I mean, but like, like by your def, you know, I guess what I should ask is, is by your definition, there's a difference between conservative and Republican, like the Republican party that we know. Well, there, there are many pundits and those in the media who would argue whether or not so many Republicans are too conservatives. Um, and I, um, I kind of hold to that view. I think, I think what has to happen is uh, to kind of uh, smoke these people out, see where they stand on specific issues. And, uh, and usually that's a good indicator of, uh, of what's going on with these people. Uh, are they are they really conservative or are they are they Republican or you know what are they? Um, but I uh, 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 certainly take it that many of the Republicans, I mean, the registered Republicans, they're Republican senators, they're Republican House members, and and so on and so forth. But mm. but when the rubber hits the road, what they do has to be questioned. So, uh, would you say? Or what, what party would you say currently most aligns with, like, your definition of conservative? Or is there? Well, of the two major parties, it would have to be the Republicans. Right. I mean, any of the out-shooting parties? Well, the Libertarians, yeah, I, you know, they, they could claim to be um, of conservative leanings, certainly. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but... I don't give much attention to any other uh, outlaying parties other than that, okay. groups or whatever. So 
um, you know, as we know now, Trump is our is the Republican front runner, uh, the candidate. Uh, when you wrote the book, there was obviously a whole group of people still in the race. Um, at that time, when you were writing the book, was there someone that you thought would be the best uh, conservative to go ahead and, and run for president? Well, I uh, not really. Uh, <laughs> That's not I'm a bad answer either. Say, you know, I finished writing the book actually in about February, and this was uh, this was not well into the debates and everything going on, but but um, but I, I even then I made some comments about Trump, mm-hmm. and uh, I didn't get into an argument of whether or not he was a true conservative, but I liked what he had to say, and so I think I think that's why so many Americans are gravitating towards Trump. I think he's he's pretty much a straight shooter. And <clears throat> I want to say this also about Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Um, I've made it my lifelong goal, ambition, aim to study human psychology. I started at age 20. And uh, one of the components that I've studied are the primary human emotions. And uh, there's a thesis running through my book that... Um, in order for one to function in total and complete rhythm, they need to have their emotional structure operating in good harmony and rhythm. Mm-hmm. Donald Trump is the only one of the, the field of both uh, Democrats and Republicans who I perceived operates on an even emotional keel. He has his emotional house in order. I will say that in front of everybody at this moment, certainly more so than Hillary Clinton. I mean, she is a uh, terribly, terribly repressed individual. So uh, I hope I didn't get too far afield with that answer, Greg. But no, no, no. That, it's interesting because I think if you ask a lot of people, they might say they feel exactly the opposite about Donald Trump, that he's very emotional. You know, he says things like, I just want to go you know, punch that guy in the face. Well, uh, what, what I talk about in modern-day liberalism, and again, going back to the underlying thesis of the primary human emotions and the emotions being the drivers of behavior, uh, what I stress uh, is, that, <clears throat> is that proper emotional functioning means that one will react in proportion to the circumstance. If somebody walks up and slaps you in the face, Greg, or slaps me in the face, I mean, I'm going to be I'm going to be ticked off, <laughs> and and I'm not I'm not going to stand there and take it, and neither will you. I'm I'm sure you're going to do something about it. You're going to react in proportion to the circumstance, and that's what Donald Trump has mastered. He's a no nonsense kind of guy. Uh, it's it's the people who do not know how to express their emotions uh, in balance and rhythm. They're the ones that one has to be concerned over, because oftentimes they are repressed. And uh, <clears throat> and as I uh, as I talk about in modern day liberalism, to repress the emotions is unhealthy. And sooner or later, uh, the pent up energy of the repressed emotion will find an outlet, and it will be out of proportion to the circumstance. That's what we have to look out for. That's what we have to be concerned about. It's like the fellow who, who wrote the book that's, uh, that's on the bestseller list about uh, life with the Clintons in the White House. And I talk about this. I talk about the instance in modern-day liberalism. 
how uh, Hillary, in a, in a fit of rage, uh, bloodied Bill Clinton with a lamp or a book or something. I mean, that was an unleashing of her pent-up anger and hatred. And it's the same thing she exhibited at the uh, Benghazi hearings when she, uh, when she talked about the, uh, um, about the, uh, the, the ordeal there. I mean, you know, I mean, she was uh, readily, uh, visibly expressing her pent-up anger. Interesting. And, and going back to Trump for a second, you know, whether you agree with uh, his, his beliefs, his policy, and all those things or not, I, I think we can all agree on the fact that a lot of his popularity comes from the fact that he doesn't hold back, that he is kind of the anti-politician and that he just says whatever the heck he wants to say. So true, Greg. I think it's a barometer uh, that is taking a measure of the American people. And I think, by and large, the American people, the population, they're really tired of politics as usual. They are absolutely fed up. They're tired of the the bureaucrats in Washington uh, uh, taking government at us instead of uh, the other way around. Uh, they're tired of all the ubiquitous laws and rules and regulations that come down the pike every year. It's incredible. And um, the fact is, um, the more laws and rules and regulations that we come under, the less free we are. That's just a fact. I mean, that's just a common sense fact. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, turning back to the book, Modern Day Liberalism is a title, but it's also kind of, you know, what you talk about throughout the book. Is there a difference between liberalism now and then liberalism when it was, you know, in its infancy for this country? Well, yes, yes, there is. Um, there are many books. Uh, one can go to Amazon and, and find many books about the, the uh, onset of, of liberalism and, uh, you know, even going back two or three hundred years. And, you know, it's... Uh, it's it's interesting that that the word lib, uh, from the word liberalism there's the word liberty in there mm-hmm. you know that's 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 a, a derivative uh, that we find and so we all love liberty and we all love what liberty uh, brings to us everybody espouses liberty but somewhere along the line uh, you may maybe going back to the 30s. Uh, you know, after and during the Great Depression, I think is when one can argue that that liberal policies began to be woven into our culture and our nation and governance. And so it was a slow process. And then by the time the uh, the sixties came along, uh, and and I was a uh, young product of the sixties back during that time, and I watched what was going on. I mean, liberty and uh, began to be perceived as uh, doing whatever feels good. You know, let's, let's do it in the road. I mean, let's, <laughs> let's uh, have a good time. Uh, it, it became a, a process of entitlement um, because, because more and more things began to uh, come down the pike to create all this liberty for the individuals. And that was, uh, that was the Liberal Democrats. Uh, all of these social programs, uh, Lyndon B. Johnson in the, uh, you know, 50s and 60s, uh, 
uh, creating the great society, uh, the great government giveaway. This is this is antithetical to the best interests of the individual. Uh, it is to the individual's best interest to practice self-determination, uh, to maintain him or herself, to work and earn what they what they receive, uh, and so forth. So. I can see where that's coming from. You know, nowadays it's uh, it's welfare and let's raise minimum wage. Where way back when, uh, it was okay. We don't have enough jobs. Let's create jobs and and build the Hoover Dam. You know that sort of thing. Right. And that, I, I I could see how actually earning your money obviously makes a big difference on the psyche of the person who's receiving said money. Well, yeah. I mean, the Hoover Dam was a great project, and the TVA and all of that stuff. Um, were were great projects and and certainly it put people to work and and uh, yeah they could uh, relish in in the pleasure of earning their money and you know that's that's all all good and well but um but uh, what it has become today is that it's it's a simple entitlement that uh people are entitled to i mean my goodness we have what 50 million people uh, across america on food stamps, and we probably have just as many on uh, on SSI and Section 8 housing and all the other stuff. Uh, I mean, it's just incredible. Um, our our economy cannot sustain it. Uh, the national debt is is in large part created to sustain these social programs, Greg, and we cannot maintain. It's it's going to come crashing down unless it is changed. So before this kind of shift in, you know, we're talking about the 30s, was liberalism a good thing? Well, yes, it was. Um, I mean, it, it was a good thing. Um, but, um, but then, like so many other things, they, they, they are instituted and they're launched, and then as time goes on, they are subject to different influences. They begin to take on a different kind of life of their own. And, and then uh, somewhere along the line, the, the real truth of the matter gets, gets lost and distorted. All right. So, so back to the book, Modern Day Liberalism. Uh, at one point early on, and, and if I misquote, please correct me, you mentioned that there's a lot of name calling back and forth. I think that's obvious. Left calls right this, right calls left that. Everybody knows that's going on. One of the things you say is that the right uh, heavily accuses the left of having a mental or psychological disorder, uh, but wouldn't you say that the left accuses the right of just as much mental disorderness? Um, <clears throat> just to be sure I heard your question properly, um, you're asking if the left uh, accuses the right of having a light mental disorder? Yeah. Um, well, the right is certainly accused, and I'll, I'll lump Republicans into uh, the right, so-called, mm-hmm. uh, but um, they are certainly accused of, of all sorts of, uh, you know, name-calling. Uh, they're, they're sexist, they're homophobic, they're xenophobic. Uh, anytime the Republicans and or slash conservatives uh, uh, pushback against the liberals. Well, usually that's when the name calling starts, and and the, the the Republicans and the conservatives they get 
called all of these different names. And that's, that's kind of one of the only, only tools that the liberals have to fight with. It's just this name-calling. I guess I, I found it interesting that you said, you know, in, your, in the book you gave examples of, you know, the left calls the right this, and then the right calls the left that. And it was interesting that you wrote that the right says that the left has a mental disorder, but you did not say, you know, true is for the opposite. Uh, yeah, per- perhaps so. I, um, yeah, nowhere in the book do I, do I state that, um, um, that the, the liberals accuse the, the right of having a mental disorder. I don't, um, no, I don't think that's ever, I've never heard, actually, I've never heard that myself, uh, to come to think of it, uh, coming from the, uh, the liberal left. Uh-huh. It's just, it's interesting to me. I would, I would think that, I mean, when I hear people that are, uh, it could be liberal. It could be, uh, you know, on the right side that are just, you know, so far deep into some of these things. I, I can see where they could, you know, they could both be a little crazy. Some of these politicians, and so I just, I to me, it was interesting that only the left has this quote unquote mental disorder. Well, you're so right, Greg. I I would uh, I would agree, um, and um, you know, I'll 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 go back to the um, notion that um, it's a matter of degree. Uh, these mental disorders, and uh, that Republicans are not exempt from <clears throat> from having a uh, mental disorder. Now, <clears throat> now I want to also support that with with the simple notion of of the emotions again, and um, how all behaviors are driven by emotion. Every single behavior uh, is driven by emotion. Mm-hmm. Even Republicans, they are driven by emotion. And in certain instances and circumstances and so on and so forth, uh, they will exhibit distorted behavior. Uh, and, and that, in turn, has its foundation in a distorted emotion. So, so I, um, I really kind of hold no one blameless, Greg. I, <laughs> I, I want to I make that clear. You know, it, <clears throat> but, um, yeah, it, you know, by and large, I'm picking on the liberals, no doubt. Um, sure, you know, my yeah. cover betrays that fact, and but that's all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's so, got to pick a side. Um, yeah. One of the things that, that I had never really heard of or thought, you know, we you talk about the media. I think everybody knows that the media is biased uh, one way or the other. You know, you watch MSNBC, they're they're left. You watch Fox News, they're right. I don't think there's any you know hidden hiddenness about that there. But one thing you mentioned is that the left, that the liberals are a much smaller group than they want people to think, um, but they make more noise, so they seem louder. Can you yes. kind of describe this a little bit? Well, um, yes. Um, I do. I truly believe that there is a huge silent majority across America that aren't out uh, <clears throat> demonstrating. They're not holding signs. They're not, uh, they're not yelling and shouting and so forth. I think it's a very, very small minority of people. Well, I say very, very small. It's a small minority of people who uh, support the uh, liberal tendencies and the liberal left, and that's what we see. Uh, that's what we dis- see displayed by the media. Uh, take the Tea Party meetings, for example. I've never seen a, uh, um, a demonstration uh, at a well, maybe add a Tea Party, but I've never seen Tea Party members out yelling and screaming and demonstrating. 
usually the the groups one sees are those of the far left. You know, maybe it's code pink and and so forth. And usually they're the ones making the most noise. They're getting in front of the cameras. They're getting in your face, and so on and, and so forth. And and why the media has this predisposition to make sure those are covered uh, is a, is a puzzlement. I mean, it's almost as if the media is looking to cover that aspect of of this circumstance. But but no, I think their I think their numbers or their real numbers uh, across America that is the the liberal liberal left is very very small, and uh, especially the active active uh, liberals who do the demonstrating and and so forth like Black Lives Matter, mm-hmm. they're really a, they're really a small group I think, um, and uh, and uh, I also believe they're bought and paid for by George Soros, uh, in part. And uh, I think most of them probably don't even have an idea why they're out there. They're just getting paid to do it. And, uh, and furthermore, just a little esoteric piece of uh, knowledge information here, Greg, mm-hmm. the only reason these people would okay for themselves to join in to this sort of uh, shenanigans is because they themselves have within themselves much distorted emotion and venomous hatred towards themselves and maybe our country. You're saying the, the people of Black Lives Matter have hatred towards themselves yes. and the country? Absolutely. Interesting. Absolutely. Why else would they, would they go through the streets in, in the cities across America looting businesses, hurting people, uh, burning police cars. I mean, that's that's a display of venomous hatred and anger. How can that be justified? I don't know how it can be. No, I don't think there's any justification for you know shooting cops or, or I mean shooting anybody. Cops shouldn't shoot black yeah. people, and black people shouldn't shoot cops back in retaliation. It's it's horrible all around. Uh, Absolutely. Do you think that maybe I don't know how to word this properly? That uh, you know they've instead of they hate uh, the country and themselves so much that they've been, uh, f- you know, kind of fed the wrong information that leads them to this? Horribly worded question, I'm sorry. Well, no, I think, that, yes, if, if they've been fed the wrong information, uh, those, uh, that, that particular grouping, um, well, perhaps they've been fed the wrong information, and then the information they do get, they don't know how to process it and act upon it, and and so forth, and and so it just uh, it just results in in distorted behavior. Um, you know, and they don't create anything, Greg. They they only destroy. And I I just urge anyone to tell me what's constructive about that sort of thing. Tell me what's constructive. You know, I worked out a plan for the Black Lives Matter movement. Here here it is. And what I'd like for them to do the next time they, they group together, mm-hmm. I, want, uh, I want them to organize somewhat, have one of their leadership go down to Costco or, or Home Depot and get, get a whole bunch of the big uh, garbage bags. And I want them to start walking the, the neighborhood and the community and pick up garbage. Okay? And I want the press to be there. I want the press to, uh, to show this, that this is Black Lives Matter. I want them to walk through the black neighborhoods and pick up garbage. And then, once, if they do that, Greg, you know, I would, I would then give them some credibility. As they stand now, I give them zero. 
Yeah, it, it's unfortunate that uh, it seems to be a very violent group. And, you know, maybe they're not all violent, but that's what the media portrays. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I hear reports of people who get in the midst of these uh, demonstrations, and they're fearful because they, I mean, they fear for their, their health and safety. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's a bad scene. I mean, I, uh, I remember once, I, years ago, I got caught up into a demonstration somewhere. I don't know, it may be as Los Angeles or something. I don't, I don't even remember what it was about. But I inadvertently accidentally got caught up in a, I, I was just there. And I got caught up in it, not as a demonstrator, but, but I was fully aware of the, of the hostility that's in the air and the and the rage i mean it's it's like uh, thinking logic and reason is out the window and you're dealing with raw emotion you're dealing with repressed hatred venom raw emotion it's not a good scene yeah you know going back to uh the the talk about the liberals being a, a much smaller group but you know they're receiving a lot of media attention which you know makes them look bigger wouldn't you uh, would you agree that proportionally, like someone like the Westboro Baptist Church receives more attention than some of these, you know, like liberal protesting groups? Um. Yeah, well, they. I, I don't. I don't know, Greg. I, I don't know really how to gauge that. I. Um, I. I do know what you're referring to because I. I recall, you know, from. I'm kind of a news junkie, and mm-hmm. so for many years I really uh, try to watch all news sources and, and stay attuned to to that side of it. But um, well, they do get attention. I mean, they do get the media attention, uh, you know, for for what it is. And uh, but but even them, I you know, they are they are engaging in uh, in really unrhythmic, unnatural behavior. It's uh, it's unnecessary what they're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. So, what about um, you know in this uh, liberals making a lot of noise, a lot of protesting? What about Trump supporters who you see on TV who are you know punching people in the crowd and and you know they seem to be making a, a fair bit of noise that we really haven't seen in past elections. What would you say about them? Well, uh, I picture the one the one guy who uh, punched somebody out. He made a bad judgment. Okay, he he did not need to do that. I I, I just don't support that. And <clears throat> and unfortunately, what happens? It only takes one in the midst of a big Trump gathering to do that. And and uh, and the the entire group is is judged by that one bit of behavior. But uh, no, they should not do that, Greg. That is um, uh, that's an error on the part of the uh, Trump supporter. Yeah, nope, I, I, I feel. Do that. I feel like no matter who you're supporting, if you do that at their rally, you're making that candidate look bad, and you're further hurting your cause. Yes, indeed, uh, I agree totally. Um, in the book, once again, modern day liberalism, exploring the psychological foundations of the disorder, uh, you talk about liberals having a lot of hatred and anger, and like this repressed anger. Um, but wouldn't you say that a lot of conservatives have very, uh, I don't know, hateful and angry? political views, i.e., you know, women's rights, gay marriage, death penalty, that sort of thing? Yes. Um, if, I, if I may regress here, Greg, and um, uh, present 
some really basic underpinnings of human behavior, mm-hmm. and um, both uh, Republicans, Democrats, liberals, conservatives are all subject to to um, pretty much the same influences uh, as they start out life as young children. The uh, the emotions engage very early in life, as early as six months of age. And um, also, I want to say that we only have five primary human emotions, only five. Uh, nowhere in academia will you learn that. And, <clears throat> and, um, and so um, uh, everyone is subject to the same kind of aberrations of behavior, uh, both uh, Republicans and Democrats and, and so forth. And it's very, very easy uh, for distortions to occur in an individual's emotional functioning. Uh, they, may, they may be a registered Republican, but yet their behavior may betray uh, certain as- aspects of, of what they, they choose and do. Um, I talk about in the book, a, uh, uh, let's see, who is it? Um, um, well, now I can't think of his name. There's an example of the father-son uh, in the news media, and the son is a uh, diehard conservative, and the father is a liberal. Mm-hmm. And, so, and so it's, it's puzzling how, how uh, different people will gravitate towards a certain uh, – Juan Williams, right. Juan Williams is, uh, is the guy on Fox. He's liberal, and then his son, Rafi, is very conservative. Okay. And so – I, I think that's a uh, curious uh, fact. But um, anyway, Greg, I, I'm not sure I answered your question that you posed a, a couple of minutes back. <laughs> but uh, get me back on track if you need. Yeah, I, I was just asking, you know, it seems, you know, you talk about liberals being more angry and, and repressed anger and, and hatred. Uh, but it seems like it's the, the Republicans, the conservatives that go after the more angry and, and hate-filled uh, policy views such as uh, you know death penalty and things like that right um, gay marriage and, and right. so on and so women's forth. rights yeah yeah um, yeah um, I, I guess by and large the uh, conservatives uh, hold their religious views uh, you know, sometimes above their political views, and and so that's what they uh, that's what they espouse. Um, but uh, I mean, certainly it's okay if they if they hold their view, um, and I think it's also okay if they work to support their view and their mindset. Um, in you know across America across the Christian churches, uh, what what the uh, homosexual marriage is is I think what it's going to eventually get to is that churches will be mandated to perform homosexual marriages, mm-hmm. and of course that's contrary to many of the the beliefs and the the, the longstanding social institutions of all the churches. See, I don't think that I don't think they should have to do that. Um, because uh, because many churches hold that the institution of marriage, uh, the long-standing institution, was a sacrament between a man and a woman. I mean, uh, it was it was a sanctity between a man and a woman, 
and so that's that's what they should be able to hold on to um, and um, I could also take this argument much 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 uh, farther and and more esoteric uh, if I could Greg but I won't at this time um, but um, I have a whole another chapter which is not in modern-day liberalism that I could uh, put put forth about uh, this has to do with really really basic human psychology and our very basic structure of as human beings uh, that I could get into but that that's another time <laughs> all right uh, you, you know, you bring up gay marriage and churches, you know, potentially being mandated to do this. Would you be okay with, uh, let's say, something where churches are not mandated to perform gay marriage, but on the flip side, marriage does not automatically equal tax breaks? You know, something to, tr- to separate that church and state. If you want a tax break, you know, you can get tax breaks as a gay couple or as a straight couple, um, but it has nothing to do with your church marriage, uh, you know, license, if you will? Well, of course, um, married couples um, have certain tax benefits. And they have other uh, benefits, not just taxes, but the, but the, the benefits that come along with being married. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. So, I'm, I'm not sure how to answer that, Greg. I... I uh, <laughs> I just, I just mean, like, as a, as a conservative, all right, you know, the churches, you know, why should they be forced to do something they don't want to do? They're their own entity. But on the flip side, straight marriages don't get automatic, uh, you know, government benefits just because they were married in a church. They'd have to apply for, you know, we'll say, we'll, we'll call it civil union or whatever through the state. And then that way, right. gay people could do the same thing, but they may not be welcome to be married in whatever church. Well, if uh, I would support a, a church, if a church decided that they want to hold to their their strict traditions of marriage, that is between a man and a woman, they should not be mandated to uh, perform homosexual marriages. I mean, that goes smack dab against the uh, First Amendment. Um, and um, but in in today's society and culture, I mean, it's just. It's just a fact that that uh, that homosexuals uh, like like uh, sexed uh, couples. I mean, they want to marry. So, okay, if that's the case, then then there should be uh, some kind of uh, laws, and there are there and there are more and more uh, instituted to allow them to marry. Okay, and it's just going to be like a state ceremony or or whatever government ceremony or. You know, uh, file it with the with the local uh, jurisdiction, and mm-hmm. and they're married. And then the same with the tax uh, breaks and the tax perks from from being a married person. Yeah, okay, let them have the same. Uh, they should get the same kind of tax breaks. Uh, you know, whether dealing with uh, you know estate taxes and uh, and that sort of thing, uh, medical issues, and all of all of the other stuff that uh, that comes with it. Uh, and of course, this doesn't even uh, address the issue of whether or not a gay couple should have children. Okay, so that <laughs> see what happens, Greg. It opens up a whole new. <laughs> that, that could be a whole arena. show. <clears throat> yeah, that's for another. 
that's for another day. Yeah, it's it's a it's a hot topic, Greg. Absolutely, and I and I have a few more questions to get in, so we we probably shouldn't take up that uh, that day long conversation. Okay. Is there a difference between uh, a conservative conservative, you know, such as yourself, and a Republican? Like, has has the you know has the Republican Party slid too far away from a conservative? Yes, they uh, they have slipped far far away. Uh, from conservatism. Um, many would agree that Ronald Reagan was our last conservative uh, president. And I think to, you know, looking back at the last two elections, to compare Mitt Romney or, or uh, classify Mitt Romney uh, as um, conservative, uh, is just erroneous. I mean, he was not a conservative. He was a he was a uh, just a uh, institutional Republican. You know, part of the old uh, Republican Guard. He was not conservative. Um, but yes, I think the Republican Party has drifted far, far away from uh, conservative uh, standpoints. I mean, just look at the eight, the last eight years. Mm-hmm. Um, where have they been? I mean, we we have witnessed a transformation of our country in eight years, and at one point in time, they uh, they held a strong majority. Uh, well, now I mean, they do now in the House and Senate. Where are they? I mean, do they even exist? Uh, it's just phenomenal. I just I I can't. I just look in disbelief about this. I can't believe it. Yeah, I, I, I can uh, I can see that. Do you think Mitt Romney was was chosen as the quote unquote conservative guy because of his uh, you know his religious views, very publicly religious? I uh, I don't think his religious view entered into it too greatly. That's just my personal opinion. Okay. I think I, I mean I think he was just kind of looked at as a good businessman, kind of a straight laced guy, and so mm-hmm. on and so forth. You know, I it was it was uh, I was kind of humored by it in a way. But I remember during uh, Mitt Romney's uh, campaign, uh, I remember that they, there was a plethora of uh, segments on the on the cable channels having to do with these folks, like that guy Jeffords, uh, presenting the wackiest side of of his. Uh, <laughs> Religious views. I mean, really. I mean, and then after the election, all of these things stopped. I think it was like a move on the part of uh, of some to to uh, diminish and detract from Mitt Romney and who and what he was. It was to it was to associate him with these wacky fringe fringe groups. So. Uh, in that respect, I don't think his religion helped him very much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Would you agree that uh, the Republican Party is doing, uh, we'll, we'll call you just a conservative, you know, old school conservative, that they're doing people like you a disservice and making you look bad? Um, I'm sorry, say it again. I ask it, they're doing me a disservice? Well, not, by... I mean, not you personally, but are, are they doing conservatives, you know, like true conservatives, are they doing them a disservice? Because, you know, when you think of conservatives, you think of the Republican Party. And, you know, we've kind of talked about the Republican Party has definitely slipped away from their, uh, you know, initial beliefs. So is the Republican Party doing a disservice to, you know, a, the group of conservatives, conservatives that are, you know, still around? 
I would say yes, they're doing them a great disservice um, because uh, the current um, entrenched Republicans do not espouse, by and large, conservative values. Um, they, yeah, they do them a great disservice. And, you know, it reminds me going back to, I think, the election in uh, 2010 when the Tea Party lent a lot of support to the Republican Party. Mm-hmm. And the Republican Party uh, welcomed it wholeheartedly, all this support from the Tea Party groups. The Tea Party groups helped uh, create... Um, a greater dominance in in the House and Senate. Uh, and then what do the Republicans do once the election is said and done? They drop them. They forget about them. Yeah. And they go about their, their their same old ways. I mean, they yes, they did the Tea Party a huge disservice. And uh, and the Tea Partiers shouldn't should not so easily forget about that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you believe that liberalism uh you know the the idea of the belief of i guess is a is a genetic thing that you're kind of predisposition to it no it is all environmental behavioral and psychological there is there is no such thing as uh an inherited trait uh developmental environmental and psychological i coined a new term in modern day liberalism that um you know, there's a diagnostic and statistical manual of mental disorders in existence, Greg, that's been around for, you know, since the 50s. It's been revised a number of times. And so I coined the term, uh, you know, kind of tongue-in-cheek, and I called it a uh, P, it's P-E-D-D is the acronym. Okay. It's psycho, Psycho-Emotional Developmental Disorder. And, <clears throat> and so that's my pet name for the liberals, and if it ever reaches and it gets into the uh, DSM, Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, that's what it should be. But, but uh, no, the predisposition to liberalism strictly, I can't say this enough, environmental, developmental, psychological, period. And, and because we were talking about uh, homosexual behavior earlier, we will also lump that behavior into the same category environmental psychological emotional that's the roots of that behavior a little controversy there greg oh absolutely once again that's one of those uh a whole uh, whole couple other shows we could talk about that. yep uh, for sure uh, so my last question for you is if someone read the book they, they read it all the way through and they came up to you and they said uh, not only do i think you're wrong which you know everybody entitles their own opinion not only do I think you're wrong, but I think uh, what you say about liberals is just rude. You know, I think you think you're being mean or whatever. You know, what would your response be to them? Well, um, generally, I like to hone in on a specific issue because um, un- unless that happens, um, usually two parties in opposition to one another, two people in opposition to one another. They're not going to arrive at, at anything uh, revealing of, of truth and, or whatever. Uh, and so it, it really takes some searching dialogue and, and some back and forth between those two parties to, um, to, to really examine things to the fullest. Um, 
I, I sometimes am amused because in, in life I meet up with uh, a lot of liberals mm-hmm. oftentimes. And uh, one, of, one of the most difficult things to do is to try to convince a liberal otherwise. And, and what, I, what I recommend and suggest to people, to conservatives, if they're, if they're engaged in an argument with a liberal, you have to ask questions. You have to continuously apply them with questions. Question, question, question. And, and uh, what generally happens is that they can't answer your questions. They finally reach a, a, an impasse where they can't answer your questions. And then what happens, I've, I've found, they usually become frustrated and angry and terminate the conversation. That's, that's what I've found generally that happens. Interesting. Once again, everybody, the book is Modern Day Liberalism, Exploring the Psychological Foundations of the Disorder. Look, everybody, you don't have to agree with everybody 100% to have a fun and interesting conversation about two uh, you know, varying views on, polit- on politics or anything else. So J.D. Mitchkey is the author. He's my guest. J.D., thank you so much for spending time with me today. Greg, I really appreciate it. Thank you uh, as well. I, I greatly, greatly appreciate it. Thank you once again to J.D. Mitchkey. He is the author of Modern Day Liberalism, Exploring the Psychological Foundations of the Disorder. I said at the top of the show, you don't have to agree with everything he says, or maybe you don't agree with anything. That's fine. That's, that's the beauty of uh, being your own person and making your own decisions. I did not want to tell you where I lay because I didn't want to, uh, you know, have it make a difference on the on the uh, the interview itself. There were quite a few things I disagreed with. There were some things that I did agree with. Uh, it went both ways on that fence. That is the beauty of this country. Anyways, if you liked what J.D. Mitchkey had to say, check out the book, Modern Day Liberalism, Exploring the Psychological Foundations of the Disorder. Go to the guest section, IWantToKnowShow.com. You will find links to that. You will find links to him as well. If you made it all the way through but wildly disagreed with everything he says, I appreciate you making it all the way through. Look, there's nothing wrong with hearing someone else's point of view. Maybe it helps you uh, look differently upon yours or helps solidify the way you feel. That's all good. That's the beauty of it. So I hope you enjoyed it from a podcastial standpoint. It's a new word I'm, I'm making up. That's all for me. Let me remind you, IWantToKnowShow.com, Facebook.com slash IWantToKnowShow, at I Want to Know Show on Twitter. Of course, the show is on Instagram. And don't forget, I Want to Know Pod, P-O-D, at gmail.com is how you can email myself or the show. That's it for me. So on that note, good night, everybody. Good night, everybody.